Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Harry, the CIO at Zoom, and we discuss their explosive growth in 2020, how the virtual work environment puts everyone on an equal playing field, and why accuracy and urgency are the keys for solving any problem. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello, Joe. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you? Good. I was just thinking about you, uh, and I was, you know, looking through different topics and stuff that I wanted to cover. And then I was like, I wonder how, like, just like right before I came on the call, I was like, I wonder how Harry's doing as a person. Like, are you getting enough sleep? <laughs> uh, I sleep like a baby. I, uh, you know, the, the last twenty six, seven, eight weeks have been terrific because. I haven't had to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning to catch a 6 a.m. flight to somewhere or a not coming in the house at like 11 o'clock or, you know, sometimes coming back from the East Coast on the red eye, you know, not doing any of that. So, uh, so life, life is pretty good. It's, um, you know, I have dinner almost every night uh, with my wife. So that's been a real pleasure. I, you know, we got a puppy. Uh, so that's been great. Um, what type of puppy? He's a golden doodle. Ooh. What's its name? Hershey. Hershey. Very fitting. Beautiful looking dog. It's a really nice one. <laughs> he's hey, a puppy. He's a beautiful, beautiful and soft and uh, very friendly and and he loves his daddy. So it's uh, that's a good thing. He's like giving me this bear hug. You've got you've got the hugs, you've got the treats, you've got the food. You're the man. <laughs> Let me put them down. Oh. Okay, there you go. Back to sleep. He loves coming to work with me every day. It's like you know, we're we're not going back to the offices until you know, sort of maybe the middle of next year, which is great because I think if I were to start, you know, sort of going to work every day and going to the traveling to the city or traveling again. My wife thinks we'll need to get him, you know, a dog therapist because uh, it could be pretty bad. <laughs> does your does your wife do pretty well with the dog? Does she love oh, him? Yeah, yeah. No, he's, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, we've been we've always had dogs in our family, but we've always my wife and I have always been working and uh, always went to the office. And um, but I was always the person who was in charge of the dog. So dog, you know, taking the dog to the vet, walking the dog, grooming the dog, feeding the dog training the dog and so we got him i think it was like early april and my wife didn't start going back to her office until july so she was here for like april may june so he bonded with both of us really well for like 12 weeks and um so uh so this is the first my wife says this is the first time it, you know he's as much he is as much her dog as he is mine that's good. Yeah, I, I have uh, two dogs. I have a Bernice Mountain dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. We, it's a big our, dog. Our previous puppy was a burner, and uh, oh, yeah, he, he was a Swiss burner. He was 130 pounds. Yeah, big puppy. Yeah, it's a big, big puppy. And then to contrast that, we have a like a Pomeranian, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, and then I had a I had a Wheaton Terrier, but when I brought my second child home from the hospital it was just too much to have three dogs and two kids. So I found this lady who um, 
she was retired and she has a farm and she rescues Wheatons and she does like two at a time and she just, and she was very interested. And so I had Ted for like eight years and then gave him to her. And so she sends us pictures all the time and it's really great, but you know, kids are a lot of work. So you kind of have to like manage the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How old are your kids? Well, Aria actually turns three today. So this morning there was there was balloons and all sorts of excitement for her. Uh, and then my son is about one and a half, I think. Very good. Excellent. Well, yeah. Congratulations on both. And uh, you, you certainly got your hands full. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy year, especially when I started the whole business was I started the business like when my wife was eight, eight months pregnant. And so talk about like, you know, staring to the abyss and eating glass, like Elon Musk says, right? It was just multiple difficult things, but overall, I think it it shaped me pretty well as a person. Terrific, terrific. Yeah. So, so I'm curious to know, like, what the past? I think you gave a number, like 36 weeks. What's what's the past year look like for for you? Yeah. So it's been a really interesting year. You, you know, I've been at Zoom now two and a half years and it sort of seems like every every few months everything changes at Zoom because this is a uh, this is a rocket ship. It's like one of Elon Musk's rocket ships. It's like, you know, just straight up. Um, and uh, so, you know, I joined the company. I, you know, when I joined the company, we were a little north of 800 employees. Now we're 3,400. So, you know, it's uh, been phenomenal growth. You know, last year in April, we went public, and that was a whole new experience for us as a company. Um, and then in January, you know, sort of late January, COVID started coming around the world and uh, hit, you know, hit here in the U.S. and Europe in February, March timeframes. And then we saw this sort of like monumental growth, right? We went from 10 million daily participants in December to... 300 million daily participants in uh, April. We went from processing 100 billion annualized meeting minutes in January to 2 trillion in April. You know, and, the, and we're this like nine-year-old startup that went public a year ago. Um, most companies would love to go through that sort of trajectory and that sort of growth path uh, over the course of a couple of years. We did it in 12 weeks. So it's been really interesting to see how the company has changed, how the company has morphed, uh, how we, you know, had to bring in different leaders, how we brought in, you know, sort of established different processes in the company, different organizations, et cetera, because now we've got to scale to be this new company. And, you know, this is, you know, we're four times bigger than what we were with 3,400 plus employees, you know, you know, our Numbers are, you know, 357%, I think it was, year-on-year -year growth. So it's... But you're uh, useful. It's, it's useful. It's a valuable tool. It's incredibly important. And I was just, like, you, you described those numbers and it just, like, it's, it's phenomenal. Like, it's huge. They're just huge, huge growth numbers. But I'm, I don't, I don't really know how to ask the question, but I guess, like, what what is it like on a day-to-day -day basis when you're going through that? Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, sorry, the year-on-year -year revenue growth, 355% year-on-year, sorry. <laughs> I didn't get that right. <laughs> <laughs> I was once told, you know, there can never be an error with numbers. Numbers are very, you know, sort of exact. 
So what's it been like? It's, uh, it's you know, it's been a humbling experience, uh, quite honestly. Um, you know, we're supporting, you know, a myriad of different industries uh, around the globe. Uh, we're supporting government organizations around the globe. We're helping countries operate. And, you know, we're educating children and young adults all over the planet. We have over 100,000 schools in 25 countries on the platform. And so it's, uh, and then, you know, uh, supporting the healthcare industry uh, has been so it's all very humbling to be keeping the global economy working, keep people and in addition to that, uh, Joe, also keeping people connected. It's like uh, you know, yesterday I was talking to a colleague of mine. She works in Cork, Southern Ireland, and she was telling me how she was in a store, and a uh, this man was standing there looking at her T-shirt, and she was wearing like a Zoom shirt. Sorry, I missed with my microphone. Um, she was wearing a Zoom, a Zoom shirt and he came over to her and said, sorry to interrupt your shopping experience, but do you work for Zoom? And she goes, I do. And he said, well, I'd like to thank you because, uh, because I've been using Zoom to connect with my friends and my family and my grandchildren in England uh, over the last several months. And I don't know what I would have done without Zoom because it kept me sane. You know, and then there's birthdays and weddings and yoga classes and church events and bar mitzvahs and all sorts of different activities being conducted over Zoom. And so uh, I kind of feel like we're helping the world connect uh, in a seamless and frictionless fashion and uh, helping people to get through what is a very difficult time for an awful lot of people. Do you guys have like an online store so I can buy a Zoom shirt? Email me your size and, and Jake's and uh, send me your addresses and we will take care of making sure you guys get Zoom shirts. Amazing. I love them. I got this shirt. So I had this guest on, Ryan, he was the CEO of like X-Team, they're like development agency. And he had this shirt and I was like, what is that? Explain this shirt to me. Because I just like, different types of shirts. I didn't know it was branded to his company or anything because uh, it's really not at all. But what they what they do is they've got these like different tribes within the organization, different, they call them like houses. And like, this was like Wolf House or something. I, I'm, I'm forgetting, but it was something like that and like Ravenclaw. But what they do is they have these contests and then people can like win the internal swag and they have just like this whole culture system set up. And I, I just said, Hey, I really, I really like that shirt. Like, can I buy it? And he's like, no, you can only win it. But uh, he managed to, to sneak me, sneak me one from his personal collection. But yeah, I just, I love it. And I like, I like the shirts because they have little stories with them too, rather than just being my normal, like plain t-shirt. Okay, so uh, absolutely. Yeah. So send me the names, addresses, and sizes, male, female, and we will make sure everybody gets jerseys. You're the man. I really appreciate it. And we'll wear them too. And then, then you'll have to come on next year so I can wear the Zoom shirt, of course. <laughs> Delighted to, anytime. <laughs> we, we love Zoom. I was actually looking at uh, how we could customize it for the podcast. So we've since, since we last talked, we actually have a studio now. So this wow. is like... I was thinking it's like, you know, you're looking very sophisticated there. Thank you. Thank you. So we have a studio and then all of our sales team has like these custom Zoom backgrounds we made and we ship them all like lights and cameras and everything so that our salespeople look as good as possible on, on the video chats. 
but we are looking to see like on the show if we could have it so we could have like a browser that comes up you know when when our producer like if like you and i were talking about spacex rocket launch or something he could pull it up and like do an overlay on the screen and we were trying to figure out how to do a little bit of that and there they said well let's ask harry and i was like well no let's not <laughs> let's go look at their developer documentation and see what's possible and uh so i was blown away by how customizable by how large your development sdk you can do like virtually anything you want customized with zoom i did not know this yeah so the uh yeah the sdk is quite rich and um you know every time we uh, add features the sdk gets enhanced uh, further so yeah yeah i'm a fan i'm also a fan of what you guys did with uh, the international space station where they they rung the Nasdaq bell. Wasn't Did you get cool? to be a part of that? Wasn't yeah. that cool? That was so cool. Did you get to have like involvement with setting that up or was no. that something no. that like the comms, you know? <laughs> no. No. Was, no, we have an excellent marketing team and uh, ex excellent uh, customer success team and support teams and they get involved in doing a lot of these um, different events. I mean, like we hosted... Uh, Oprah Winfrey's World of Wellness program. I don't know if you saw that with, you know, sort of, uh, I think there was like 40,000 participants around the world and she had like 200 streams coming in and then she was able to promote people to be like speakers and so on and so forth. So that was pretty cool. Uh, the NFL draft was also conducted over Zoom and Saturday Night Live, you know, Hamilton, there's been opera singers. On Actually, Check out unzoom.com. Unzoom.com? Yeah. So, uh, here, let me show you. So, these oh, are all. Unzoom. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying unzoom. Yeah. So, these are all different examples, you know, weddings and um, dancing. And An elephant dancing. That's wonderful. Where is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I really like the music collaboration things that I've seen where like all the musicians will play together and those things, those videos are pretty cool. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so pretty good stuff. So yeah, the NASDAQ... Zoom Opera for preschoolers, look at that. Zoom Opera for preschoolers. Now, are these like public things you can join? Yeah. Or yeah, are they yeah, recordings yeah. Uh, of them? Some of them are recordings, some of them are just articles, you know. Hairstyles that will become work from home staples. Now, did, did you guys do this or has just the world just somebody... No, the world has done this and we just, we yeah. just put them all together on, on Zoom.com. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. So, uh, so pretty cool. Yeah. So, if you were to look at, like, I know you've had growth, lots of growth year over year, but if you were to just contrast, like, you're and you're an experienced executive, right? If you were to contrast, like, the way you spent your time, you know, last year versus the craziness of this year, like, were there were there like huge change? Obviously, there's excitement, like, in the meetings and and what's going on but like were there like really big changes in the way you spend your time throughout these past six months yeah so i, I spend my time you know primarily in in sort of three circles if you will sort of like internal discussions uh external meetings with clients and doing events and what's been quite fascinating is the internal has stayed very much the same Events has taken uh, significantly more time. There's been a lot more events and a lot more client meetings. And when I sit here and think about it, like going back to your question before, it's like, you know, I'm sleeping better. I'm 
healthier. I've lost 19 pounds. Nice. Um, I'm eating better and I feel happier. Um, and uh, But I think that I'm actually doing more. And I think the, the reason is because I'm just not traveling. Did you get into any of like the sleep optimization stuff, like no. taking melatonin for bed or wearing no. a sleep mask or anything no. like no? No, absolutely not. No, no. Uh, I, my wife told, says I'm like a horse. I can sleep standing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome though. That's good yeah. though, because sleep is one of the most important things for, you know, our bodies and restoring it. I agree. I agree. I practice it frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Daily, actually. Daily. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like when, when Rachel, Rachel's my wife and when we travel on vacation together, it's like when, it's like I'm the first person on the plane. Why? Because when I get into my seat, it lights up. So by the time she's like sitting next to me, because she, she doesn't like to be on first, so by the time she gets on the plane, I'm already asleep. That's unbelievable. Was yeah. this always the way it was for you or did you build this up? No, it's like it's... Uh, you know, when when you travel a lot, uh, you learn how to control these types of things in your body. It's like, I mean, there was a period of my life where I used to uh, work in London, but live in New York. And so every Monday I would fly to London and fly back on Friday and back again on Monday. And I would do like three weeks uh, in London and then one week home. And so if you if you haven't got good control over your body clock, you become wrecked. So I would, uh, I learned how to sort of sleep when I wanted to. Where did you learn? <laughs> you, you, missed where, where you, learn you, 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 you missed that, Joe. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh man, this is good. I really like you, Harry. I, after I became such a big fan of you after our first conversation, I think I've brought you up on like half of every, of all the episodes we've done. I'm just like, you got to know Harry. Harry's a cool guy. Go listen. When I do my public talks, I'm like, go listen to that episode. I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was just the stories that you told and you gave some really good like leadership insight. And I don't know, sometimes you just become fans of people. And I was just like, that, that's oh, a, that's a person to aspire the, to be. Yeah. The, fe- the feelings are mutual. Thank, thank you. When everybody started working from home, that probably wasn't much of an interruption for you, was it? Because you guys are already pretty remote, right? Yeah. So, no. So, you know, I, I remember that very well. It's like, you know, on Sunday, March the 1st, I was due to fly to San Francisco for an event there on Monday and Tuesday. And three o'clock, I got a message from the event organizer. Unfortunately, they were canceling the event because of COVID-19. So I said, uh, I thought, do I go? Don't I go? I mean, I was going to go to San Francisco. Then I was going to go to San Jose see some people I thought ah I'll just do I'll just zoom in so I cancel the flight cancel the hotel and on Tuesday morning we had our management meeting and then at the management meeting we came to the conclusion that if we would send out a notice to our people saying if they're uncomfortable coming to the office they can work from home by the end of that day we had closed San Jose by the end of that week we had closed I think San Jose and Amsterdam and Sydney and by the end of the following week, we had closed all of our offices everywhere. So, um, uh, yeah, so it was, you know, a bit of an adjustment uh, for a lot of people, quite honestly. I mean, you know, on a personal level, you know, um, I've always worked from home, so I have a very nice home work setup. But, you know, not everybody has that. Not everybody has the space. Uh, not everybody has the equipment at home. Not everybody has the monitors and the lighting and, you know, the furniture and 
And so, you know, a lot of people had to adjust and, and then it can also become lonely. It's like, you know, Joel, you know, sort of people live alone, right? So, you know, the going to the office is a social experience as well as a work experience. But now sort of being stuck at home, you can't have a social life and you can't, and so you don't see, and you know, you don't see anybody physically uh, can become a little difficult. Um, but, you know, a lot of people adjusted. Some people went to say, you know, it's not really, quote, working from home. It's actually working from anywhere. Because, you know, sort of people went to stay with sisters or brothers or parents or, you know, sort of other family members because they knew they were going to be in this for, you know, this is not going to be days. This is not going to be weeks, man. It's going to be months. Uh, but we, you know, as a company, we uh, adapted pretty pretty easily. Well, you're a great company. And I was reading some like uh, I think an interview you did like a podcast with Peter High, yeah, and then they had turned it into an article, and it was talking about how you came in to like lay a solid foundation for scaling, and this is all in 2019, and I was like, that's why they're doing so well with this. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't think of another time in history where one company has become so important so quickly, like overnight, and that's you know it's a, it's a compliment to like zoom and, and your processes and, and we can, we can cut this part out, but uh, if, if you want later, we can talk after the show, but I was pushing around emails and asking the audience, like what they wanted me to ask you. Right. And I got back so much love about <laughs> security because it, it, and it was just, it was an interesting thing because, you know, usually email people aren't that nice. <laughs> sometimes right when you do broad messages like that but people were saying that they they loved how you guys responded like you just responded quickly they were actually the recurring conversation was how surprised on how like quickly you guys took ownership and deployed a fix like it was just it was rapid response and uh in a crunch time and so you know, I know it's a sensitive topic in general for any company security is like an important and sensitive topic, but I just wanted to say that, you know, from, from my experience and the, and the executives I'm interacting with, we were all pretty much like impressed with, with the yeah. response. Yeah, it's like, you know, Zoom, you know, I think a lot of credit goes to Eric Yuan, our CEO and founder. I mean, he is both a, you know, a brilliant technologist and a terrific human being. And we have an amazing team of professionals at Zoom. So a lot of credit, you know, goes to this team of people who quite honestly, quote, leave their egos on the street every morning. And they come in with what, only one objective. How can we make Zoom a better company? How can we help our people be successful? How can we partner better with our clients? How do we move the needle forward? It's not about me. It's about us all the time. And I think that makes a, and it's like we all share that one mission. And I think that's a big part of why this company has been so incredibly successful. We have a uh, part, part of our culture is when there's an issue, we always say, well, what's the problem? You got to define that problem. And then once you've defined the problem, then the next thing is, well, what's the root cause of the problem? And once you understand what the root cause that's causing the problem, then you can go about sort of identifying what's the solution. Many, too many times, Joe, people are rushing off to, you know, create the solution and they haven't even fully defined the problem yet. 
it's like why why the contractors you know they say measure twice cut once yeah <laughs> right exactly yeah. yeah so sometimes being a little patient and then acting with precision acting with accuracy and of course that you know sort of i, I i'm going to say urgency and that sort of is contradictory to what i initially said but it's once you you know sort of you, you need to move fast but you need to be patient to move fast. I get what you're saying because as I'm thinking about myself and like decisions I make, there's this, like, if you look at it like a process or a cycle, there's like this beginning moment where it's like, okay, there's, there is some sort of problem. And then you have to go through this like discovery and information gathering, and then you build the certainty as to the root of it. But the moment you have that certainty, it's like, you've got to switch gears because it's a different mental, it's like a different feeling in your head when you're exploring the problem and thinking about it, then you have to go put it into action. And sometimes you can get stuck there. Like I, I, you know, take notes and I notice sometimes I get stuck in between like ideation and execution. And my, my goal is always like, how do I reduce that gap? Yeah. It's a, you know, it's the notion of slowing down to speed up. Yes. My favorite thing is the, the, I think it's the, the seals, the slowest, steady, steady is smooth and smooth is fast. Very good right? Because they're going into foreign territories and executing missions and, you know, it's high stakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very high. Yeah. Life-threatening. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So right now, like where you're at in your career professionally, like how do you, you obviously, you know, got here through discipline and understanding comfort zones and pushing yourself out of them. You, you, you can't achieve as much as you have without, without doing that. But how are you doing that today? Like what's, how are you pushing your comfort zones or how are you thinking about that today? Well, you know, we did a podcast 12, 12 months ago, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a lot more comfortable doing a podcast today than I was 12 months ago. So I think I pushed myself to that. You know, it's uh, uh, I did a presentation recently. I think there was like 50,000 people and I was, you know, extremely comfortable. So it's like I, you know, operating out of my comfort zone. Uh, I try to do it as frequently as I can because I think it sort of it makes you a better person. Uh, I remember many, many months ago, it's like, you know, uh, one of my members of my team complained that I was always pushing the team to work out of their comfort zone and stretching them. And, and it was a, a very unpleasant conversation because it was kind of critical that I was pushing people to be out of their comfort zone. And then, uh, and then the meeting broke for lunch and we came back after lunch. And I remember picking up the conversation. Most people wouldn't pick up an uncomfortable conversation like that. Let's let it go. Uh, but I decided to pick it up and I said, you know, it's an interesting discussion we were having before lunch about comfort zones. And it's like, and I, and this is exactly what I said. I said, I think it's incumbent upon a leader to, uh, to, it's incumbent upon a leader to have their team work out of their comfort zones because that's how you grow and that's how you learn. And no, it's not for everybody. Uh, some people don't want to grow. Some people don't want to learn. Some people are very happy uh, being where they are. And that's completely fine. But then to share that and let me know if you don't want to grow and you don't want to learn. And it's sort of, And then I shared a story um, when I was much earlier in my career working. I was the chief technology officer for UBS, the Americas, in 
UBS has a training facility for management um, in a place called Wolfsburg uh, up near Lake Constance in Switzerland. And uh, you go there. Um, in this particular case, I was there for four weeks of training, which was quite extensively, quite, a, quite an extensive program. Every Monday morning at 8 a.m., they would start a class, and the class would have 40 members of leadership in the room, and from everybody from all around the country, a real diverse group of people, different nationalities, different backgrounds, different roles, not know, you know, technologists, traders, bankers, back office, finance people, HR people, marketing people. And uh, on this particular Monday morning, um, and there was always an assignment given to the class, and there was always a leader uh, given to the class, and there was always a uh, an end to the program for that week. And so this is what happened on this Monday morning. So the guy was introducing you know, uh, the program for the week and said, okay, so th th uh, today, this week's exercise for this group is to build a, uh, a revised foreign exchange trading strategy, uh, which will be presented to members of the executive committee and members of the board on Friday evening over dinner. And the leader for this session is going to be Harry Mosley. So I'm like looking around. It's like everybody's looking at me. And I, and I put my hand up. And um, Peter, who was initiating this class, said, what's up, Harry? And I said, I think you might have got that name wrong. Or it must be somebody else here <laughs> called Harry Mosley. Because, you know, I understand foreign exchange. And I understand what it is to be strategic. But I'm not the right person to be leading a, an effort with 40 of my colleagues here about foreign exchange strategy. And certainly I'm not the right person to present that to the members of the executive committee and the board on Friday over dinner. And he goes, well, others disagree with you. And it's not a topic for debate. With that, guys, good luck. And I'll see you on Friday. And he <laughs> like leaves. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me. But we pulled it off. Uh, but, you know, and then, you know, sort of at the dinner on Friday, it wasn't just this class, there was uh, eight other classes. And so there was like over 300 people. And man, I tell you, that I, I still remember this. This was, this was circa uh, 1990, probably like 95, 96. So what's that? Like call it uh, 23, 24 years ago. Yeah. I remember this like yesterday. I remember the perspiration running down the back of my neck my shirt was, and, and you know, you had to wear a tie and a jacket and everything. We weren't dressed like this. I remember that like yesterday, that dinner and that presentation. And, um, but it's things like that. I, you know, sort of uh, pushing people out of their comfort zones. Uh, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if people hadn't pulled me out of my comfort zone. How did that actual event go? Like, how did that transpire? Like, or what, what happened? It went great? Oh, yeah, it went great. It's like made the presentation and, uh, and, uh, and then things, and then life just continued to move on. And so here we are. Yeah. What a direct line too, that that guy gave, this is just not up for debate. And he just walks out <laughs> like, what a way to end it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Swiss can be a little direct. I like that. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day uh, on the podcast, the different types of cultures. Like I prefer, I like the Israeli people because they tend to be very direct. Oh, yeah. We are talking to some Dutch people who are direct as well. And I like that. I like that too. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Maybe I'll do some culture studies, figuring out like the root of that, like why some cultures are, are more direct than others. My best guess with the, the Israeli culture is that they all have to go through the military. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, that, that could be one of the reasons why. But I'm always I'm always interested in like human performance and things like that. Yeah, it's uh, I, a, lot of, a lot of great friends who are you know from India and um, again that's a another culture and uh, really lovely people and I love their food. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, I I've I like all different types of food. I'm like I'm a I'm a big fan of, of traveling around and different different unique dishes and yeah. Good. So I'm, I'll change the topic a little bit because I was, I was curious because I don't really know where to go with the food topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, other than just like listing off countries and restaurants, I don't know. I don't know how interesting that would be, but uh, I am curious to know like who, like what type of leaders are inspiring you? Because I look up to people, you know, different people like, you know, you, Elon Musk, Bezos, Branson. I, I like to understand how they think and, you know, just great people in general, but I'm always consuming, like I consider myself like an algorithm and I'm always attempting to put the best quality content into my processor, right? To sound like a nerd, but like what type of content do you consume or what type of people are you fans of authors or just in the leadership category in general? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, probably the same set of characters that, you know, you just mentioned. It's like I'm a big fan of Elon. I'm, you know, I think Eric is, like, just brilliant. You know, it's uh, uh, sometimes he'll say something and I'll talk to um, talk to my wife about it and she said, geez, he sounds just like you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, uh, Steve Schwartzman from the Blackstone Group, a wonderful man, very humble, I just, uh, I gravitate towards people who are sort of smart and direct and humble and kind. So, yeah, I'm not much into the political politics at all. So uh, nothing, you know, no, no, nothing there has ever sort of struck a chord with me. I tend to stay away from that. My father always, you know, told me, it's like, Harry, there's two things you should never talk about. What's that, Dad? He says, you know, politics and religion. Okay, got it. <laughs> That's what I was taught growing up too, right? Because it's yeah. the t- it's it's things that will just instantly divide. Yeah, well, people, people. have gra- people like gravitate towards you know if they gravitate towards something that you you don't condone or support, then that's a problem. So uh, it's very binary. We got an office politics question from from the audience, and they wanted to know, like, how do you approach dealing with office politics in your organization? What do they look like? Uh, we don't have a lot of politics uh, at Zoom, to be honest. Um, might be a little bit more eking into the organization these days than before, but we don't actually have a lot. And, you know, Eric, I remember one day talking to Eric and we talked about a particular topic and I was very animated about it. It was just him and me. I was very animated and very direct. And he said, well, it's like, you know, are you doing something about it? And it's like, yeah, it's like, I, you know, I tried three times and it's like, you know, I sort of like knock on the door three times that there's no answer. I go away. And, uh, and, uh, he said, why? So, you know, why do you go away? And I said, because it's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to upset people. It's like, you know, I, I need to work with people. I don't, he says, look, 
you know, there are companies that are run by CEOs and there are companies that are founder-led. In a founder-led company, you never need to worry about the politics. You just need, because as a founder, I know that you would never do anything or have any intention or even think of doing anything that could be negative against the company. You wake up every day with the right intentions, with the right objectives, and that's the only thing you're interested in doing. So, very, you know, it's, you know, CEO thinks the same way, but it's a different mentality with a founder-led company than it is with a uh, non-founder-led organization. So, um, we actually don't have a lot of politics. We just like to get stuff done and move on. I actually consider that in my investment strategy for my portfolio. 80% of my portfolio is invested in companies where the founder is still there. Because, you know, even though I have a small company, I, I've, I've just seen companies where their board run CEO cycles in and out and there's just no soul. There's, it feels like there's just something missing. They might be big and have revenue, but they just don't have that edge. And I noticed that that exists most often when the founder is leading the company. And yeah. so I, I think those companies have the greatest chance of success and, and growth long-term. So. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. Yeah. Another question we got with a mix of remote and on-prem employees, what steps can we take to make sure we're promoting people fairly? Well, I think that, um, you know, sort of as somebody, uh, as somebody said to me recently, it's like, you know, this uh, virtual world that we're living in has actually normalized the people. Everybody's head is the same size. There is no hierarchy anymore. You can't tell who's a senior versus who's a junior. You know, the um, introverts and the extroverts get equal time. Uh, they have an equal playing field. So it's a dramatically easier world to operate in this sort of virtual world than it is in the in-person world where there is a hierarchy. That's right, because you're not going into someone's office, you know, on a certain floor or the size of their office. You're just face-to-face. -face. I'm here. What do you want to talk about? I love about? it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. When you're going from, you know, 800 to 3,400 and you're doing that, like, are you... What what are you thinking about? Are you trying to find like the right like what? It, how does that fall into your lap? Like let's say let's back up and say how did you decide to grow from eight hundred to thirty four hundred? Well, as a, you know, as a company, you know, sort of we have different sets of needs in different parts of the organization, whether it's sales or business development or customer success support, finance, marketing, etc. So it's um, you know it's based upon you know, sort of different, there's different, different guidance for different areas. So it's like in sales, you know, sort of there's a, one of the board members once uh, told me like in sales, uh, if a salesperson's area of responsibility is not shrinking, then they're working for a company that's stagnant or worse has, um, uh, has no growth potential. And the explanation behind that was, you know, if I was a salesperson and I had responsibility for, you know, I'm making the numbers up now, 100 accounts, 
And then three months later, I have responsibility for 50 accounts and I have responsibility then for 25 accounts because we're bringing in other salespeople to handle these accounts. It's because, you know, so that, that's the, that's the, that's a, um, what's the word? That's a, um, that's an indication of a company where the sales force is growing and you want to have better and deeper penetration with more customers. And, you know, a, a, you know, at the end of the day, there are only 24 hours and there are only seven days in the week. So there's only so much that a person can cover. You know, and then you have, you know, sort of other areas like marketing, as an example, if you have, you know, marketing campaigns, how many different types of marketing campaigns can you do in how many different parts of the world and different mediums that you want to have? And all that, you know, can't be done by a set of people. If you're going to have more programs and you're going to have more mediums in more countries, then you have to have more people to support that. And, and, and uh, you know, it's the same with like HR for recruiting in the US and in Europe and in Asia. And we're building out the sales team and we're building out the engineering team and you're building out the marketing team. Then you need to have more recruiters to uh, support the, that growth. So it's like all these things uh, work together. Have you ever dealt with a situation where you're having trouble keeping like the engineering team excited just because they're doing the same things over and over. I mean, obviously not right now, but I try to, you know, when we do like the guest questions, I try to understand their perspective and, and find a, you know, extract something, you know, useful of some insight from you. But it looks like the root of this question is, uh, you know, how to keep, how to keep your engineering, how to keep your team excited when you're doing the same thing, you know, repetitively. Well, you know, I don't think they are doing the same thing repetitively because you're always sort of like, you know, innovating with speed and scale. New features, new capabilities, delighting our customers, making them happy, creating new features. So, uh, yeah. And we we have to plan for the future um, because otherwise we'll just get depressed about the current state. So That's exactly it. Like when, when the pandemic hit, I said, I'm going to spend this time working out more, eating healthier, like, and I'm out there running at, you know, five in the morning, I see all the alcohol outside my neighbor's house because they're all <laughs> depressed, drinking 10 times more, but, and I have. And so I've been, I've been pretty excited um, about like fitness and health. And I always just try to take something and flip it around. Like, how is this an opportunity? Um, how can we prepare uh, for, for when things get better? You know, when everyone was pulling money out of the stock market and I saw it crack, I was like, I had, a, I had savings that wasn't invested and I just started investing because I said, all of this stuff is on sale essentially. And I, I just, I've heard, I heard the story too many times about like fear and everybody pulls their money out and then it comes back. And so I've just, I heard that my entire life, like growing up, like that's just a cycle that happened. So when it happened, I was like, all right you know, this is the time to, to, to buy stock and stuff like that. Where do you live? I live in Florida. So I live, uh, about an hour South of Tampa in a town called like Sarasota, Bradenton. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. On, you're on the West coast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're pop, uh, most popular for the beach. Siesta key is always rated like in the top two or three beaches in the United States. Very cool. Yeah. Because nice. of the sand. It, it's weird. Cause it's like, Growing up, it's just the beach. 
And then you go on vacation and you go to the beach and you're like, this beach is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is this? The sand hurts. It's not like nice at all. And then you realize that, oh, okay, we're like in one of the best beaches. So that was pretty exciting. Good. Do you have any alligators close to you? Oh, yeah, man. Alligators are super common. I had uh, one of our um, employees had moved over here from Russia and he was like freaking out with like the alligators. And I was like, well, if there's a lake, there's probably an alligator in it. And if you have a swimming pool, you definitely want to check uh, in the pool before you jump in. That's why they don't paint them green anymore. They don't paint them dark in Florida anymore because alligators would get into the pool and they'd be on the bottom of the pool. You know, are you serious? I'm not kidding at all. Cool. Yeah. They'll eat, they'll eat little dogs. Like, so when you're, you have to walk them with a leash and don't walk them next to the lake because, you know, it's mostly just to be like as direct as possible. It's, it's mostly like four or five foot, like, you know, alligators. And they never have once messed with me. The only, I've never seen them harm any person that wasn't like sitting on top of them trying to get a picture or something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's not a, not a bright idea. But yeah, they're they're just everywhere. Like for example, uh, last year my my brother uh, my brother's wife heard a knock at the door, and so she went and opened up the door, and it was a baby alligator hitting its nose against the door. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you just call animal control. Like what what we do as you know natives. I'm actually I was like born in the town I'm in right now. But uh, so what you do is if they get to a certain size, if they're getting bigger than three or four feet, you just call and you see them in your lake every night, like in the back of your house, you just call up animal control and they come and they take them out of the lake when they get, you know, big enough. And if you could even do it if it's small, but usually the small ones, their mouths really can't get anything except for like mice, you know? So, uh, yeah, but the small ones get bigger. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when you call animal control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sad too. And people like, you see the posters up of like the dogs like we let it out last night at seven o'clock and it usually just comes right back it's like well you live on a lake in florida you know bye bye dog bye 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 puppy so we've actually seen um like birds grab uh like very large birds grab very small dogs that's a pretty crazy thing but uh i, I think i'm over exaggerating florida a little bit right now <laughs> okay very good have you ever seen an alligator up close? I was playing golf. I don't play golf, but I was playing golf once um, <laughs> uh, outside of Charlotte. And uh, there was an alligator in the lake on the golf course. And uh, it put a quick end to my game of golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they can move relatively fast, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If they want to move, they can move. Yeah. You're taught as a kid. I remember being taught in school, like alligator evasion techniques, supposed to like run in zigzags, go climb up a tree. Um, at least that's what they were teaching us then. But yeah, they're, they're just, they're giant, you know, lizard things and they're pretty normal. I mean, you know, you go to Colorado, you've got what mountain lions. Those things are scary because you don't see them and you die. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're so yeah. fast. Yeah. How bears. Yeah. 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 Bears, monsters. They're just, they're, I've seen like bears and, and uh, moose up close. They're just unbelievable. It's, it shows us how important like the brain is for us as surviving as a species. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, uh, but right now it's kind of like because the air is so clean and, you know, people aren't, uh, 
not as many cars on the road, less planes. Uh, the animals have been sort of venturing further afield. So, but uh, yeah, so uh, a bear was wandering around the neighborhood looking for food. Do you, how are you staying active with, uh, you know, the, the lockdown and the gyms closed? Are you going on walks, runs? Uh, playing tennis, bike riding, oh, okay. swimming. Yeah. Nice. Uh, no alligators, so I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> no alligators. Well, we'll make sure if you come down and visit that, that we put you on an alligator-free zone. That would be good. I'd like that very much. <laughs> yeah. But listen, uh, I do need to pop, so uh, yeah. Mark, uh, I don't know if you have one more question you want to throw at me. Yeah, just um, are there any topics that you wanted to discuss and get out there that we weren't able to cover so far? Like anything that's really on your mind? No, nothing special. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to connect with you today. And, um, and thank you for hosting me and uh, look forward to getting the podcast. You're the man. Thank you so much, Harry. It was great right. talking with you. Take care, Joe. Yeah, cheers. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.